0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters news.
1: The Trump administration prompts a trade spat with China, just as it needs Beijing's help with North Korea the most. And what does a Google employee's rant about women engineers say about the company, Silicon Valley and sexism in general? These are the issues we'll be tackling later in this week's Views Room, a weekly conversation among Breaking Views columnists about the ups and downs of the world of finance. I'm your host, Anthony Curry. My co-host, Jen Saber, is currently en route to Texas. Wars start for many reasons. The abduction of Helen of Sparta set off the Trojan War. Archduke Ferdinand's assassination by Bosnian Serbs pushed Europe into a calamitous four-year conflict in 1914. Future historians, though, may trace the next conflagration to aluminium foil. And sadly, that's not a joke. I'm joined on the line from Washington by our very own Gina Chun. How are you doing, Gina? You're holding in there?
0: Yes, despite everything.
1: So tell us, how is a product most of us use just to line our oven trays leading to a potential nuclear war?
0: Well, surprisingly, the U.S. Commerce Department decided to slap uh, import duties on several uh, Chinese aluminum foil makers for supposedly taking advantage of government subsidies that range in sort of the 17 to 90 percent. And so the levies uh, that the U.S. imposed uh, are of a similar range. This is obviously, as you say, comes at a time when Washington really needs China's help on North Korea. So the timing is not great.
1: So, I mean, let's put this in a bit more context. So obviously we've been seeing, uh, well, actually, I mean, ever since Trump uh, ran for office, he was talking about going after um, China and others, but especially China for trade deficits. So it's no surprise that there are these issues coming through. But last week ahead of a UN Security Council meeting, the administration basically seemed to put all of their trade issues with China on hold, right?
0: Yeah, they were eager to get uh, Beijing's support for a UN Security Council resolution to impose additional sanctions on North Korea, which they voted uh, unanimously to do so. And so you would have thought that, you know, you kind of had this carrot and you had success and you would sort of continue on that that strategy. But lo and behold, uh, just a few days later, they instead decided to bring this enforcement action.
1: Now, of course, this this comes right in the middle of basically some. What I'm I'm just terming warmongering. I can't think of any other way that uh, to, to describe what both Trump and Kim Jong Un's folks are doing. So let's let's look at uh, what Trump said. He said, "I'm going to I'm going to quote this. They, the North Koreans, will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. He, leader Kim Jong Un." has been very threatening beyond a normal state. They will be met with fire, fury, and frankly, power the likes of which this world has never seen before. So the usual repetition there, obviously. But this is unprecedented, isn't it, for for a president to be so so jingoistic and gung-ho in threatening nuclear war?
0: Yeah, especially given North Korea's escalation of its own capabilities in terms of its uh, missile development and possibly just developing a nuclear warhead that can fit inside its missiles. Not to mention that South Korea and Japan Japan, very strong u s allies would also face immediate threats
1: is this part of a, a broader ploy by Trump to try and scare everyone into submission? I think we was discussing earlier that, uh, before we came on the show that, that the nixon Kissinger era where they almost came up with a sort of mad president scenario, but it was it was rationally thought through to try and get other countries to 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 come into line with what the u s wanted uh, This kind of wording doesn 't strike me as rational. Uh, thinking.
0: Yeah, it, I think it also came as a surprise to some of his top advisors. The New York Times had a story out that said uh, all of them were caught off guard by President Trump's remarks, which were unscripted and was in response to a reporter's question. So having two unpredictable leaders, Trump and, and Kim Jong-un, on either sides of this dispute just raises the, um, the tensions and, and questions around it even further.
1: Yeah, so Kim Jong Un is now talking about um, a missile strike on Guam, which has what 160,000 people and a big US military base, and that's that's just I mean a response to that happening if it were to happen would surely be horrendous.
0: Yeah, and it would potentially uh, spark a, a real war instead of a rhetorical one. And that's, again, all the more reason why the U.S. needs China. They're the biggest trade partner for North Korea. They're the key player in trying to rein them in. And the, taking you know, trade actions, especially for an issue that's relatively small compared to, you know obviously, this North Korea threat, uh, it just seems really questionable in terms of its timing. Just
1: quantify it for us. How, I mean, first of all, how big is the aluminium foil market uh, for Chinese goods, and how big is and whether it's give us the figure. Is it is it the trade deficit? Is it the overall trade between countries? Um, what is it? What are we looking at here?
0: Yeah, no, it's really small when you look at the bigger picture of of the trade disputes. I mean, it's only. Um 390 million, not billion, I should say a million, million. Uh, worth of, of Chinese um, aluminum foil that was imported into the United States in 2016. So that really is a fraction of a trade deficit that is in the tens of billions of dollars and is something that you know Trump has focused on. But this is a tiny slice of that.
1: Right. So um, what, let's look domestically on this. So, I mean, domestic politics usually often informs international affairs and diplomacy. So the reaction from uh, people in his own party, not just his advisors, but uh, other uh, prominent figures in the Republican Party, as well as Democrats, has been really strongly against uh, what Trump has said. What does that, if anything, tell us about um, power shifts in D.C. at the moment?
0: We've seen now in recent polls just some that have come out this week that have shown Trump's popularity falling. and. Republicans in his own party, whether it's Senator John McCain or others, are really willing to step up and oppose him and and criticize him, which doesn't only have implications for the North Korea situation, but as we saw in the healthcare debate and the upcoming push for tax reform, where it could be a lot harder for the president to get some sort of consensus with members of his own party.
1: Well, it just looks rosy round for everyone. Gina, thanks for coming on. Um, let us hope that uh, you and I and Jen are still around next week and weeks beyond to uh, continue our discussions. Thanks again for coming on.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you.
1: Google is holding an all hands on deck meeting at its headquarters in Mountain View, California this week. The reason? James Damore. Never heard of him? Well, until a few days ago, nor had virtually anyone else. But Damore is the man fired from the near ubiquitous search engine after penning a 10 page internal memo stating, among other things, that, quote, biological causes may explain why we don't see equal representation of women in tech and leadership. Well, there's some 21st century thinking for you. Uh, I've got my colleagues Tom Berkeley and Rob Siren here to talk to me about this. Let's start with you, Rob. Mm-hmm. Um, just give us a sort of quick background. Where, where does this come from, from Google's perspective? Is this something that we should be worried about from Google's perspective, or is this a one-off? It, well, Google acted properly. First
2: off, it's not a question of free speech. That's what uh, DeMore seems to be. He's said that it's a question of free speech. It's not there's no guaranteed right to free speech and employment and it's clear that he caused a bit of disruption in the company um that google's ceo pachai he called off an, a vacation in africa to come back to address the the concerns and you shouldn't expect you know the ceo to call short the ceo's vacation and still retain a job um that said they also did it relatively quickly they pr- perhaps they could have done it in a few days it's difficult to say just because there are probably constraints on how they, how you can legally fire someone without getting in trouble. It seems, it it also seems as Demore did this on purpose. He wanted to get fired. or wanted to become a martyr.
1: Well, let's come back to that bit in a minute. But let uh, let's go to you, Tom. You had a slightly different view when we were talking about this yesterday about what Google was doing and whether it acted quickly enough.
3: Well, I, I'd like to know a bit more. I mean, this memo had been circulating in their, you know, intranet or whatever forum they have. For I think over a week for some time. And it gained a lot of pickup last week. And it was only when it became public that uh, the company suddenly acted. And there's a whole wider Silicon Valley discussion about sexism that that this plays into. So you can understand why they're so sensitive. But uh, it does seem rather rather quick and and harsh reactions. So uh, So
1: you're you're worried that there there may be a sexism is okay until someone someone outside finds out about it. I wonder about that. And I
3: also wonder about, you know, how do you encourage or allow expression of opinion inside of a company without it becoming disruptive? And I don't know what the evidence or if there is any evidence has had really caused disruption within Google. It doesn't surprise me that there are people who think this way within Google, you know, there are, there are other, I, I take issue with a number of points he made, but it does seem a pretty, um, a very sudden and precipitous reaction by the company Am I?
1: Okay, but I mean, this whole idea that it caused disruption there. And Rob, you mentioned that the CEO of the Google unit which cut short his holiday. Also, another former, a recently former Google employee, wrote a, a long screed on Medium about this, this, explaining first of all that he disagreed with what the guy had written, but also saying, you know, he'd, he'd taken, having left a few weeks ago, he'd taken half a day to sort out calls from people at Google who were complaining and saying, well, what is this? What should we do? What do we think? This is disruptive. Should this kind of thing be that disruptive? I don't mean do we believe in it or not, but the fact that that so many people, it seems to have concerned and worried so many people. Is that an issue within a a company, that someone so junior can cause so much uproar in what is meant to be a a well-known, stable company?
2: Well, you have to think that, take a step back and think of how sexism, the problem of sexism in Silicon Valley. You've seen problems with companies like Uber, for instance, where you have a board member making... a. A sexist joke. You have, well, at, you have, at, a,
1: at an event meant to tell meant employees to tell people, we're getting over our sexism. Yeah. I mean, and then all this, also yeah. the, all the other problems with
2: sexism in, in you know, within Uber, like people being excluded from, from meetings, engineers, uh, peop- engineers being told they aren't good enough because they're women.
3: Yeah. And I would say it's also, you know, women were told for a long time that they don't really have a role in finance, they couldn't really have a role in, in politics, so uh, I, I think that trying to dress that up in biology is, is yeah. a bit uh, But Also, I think, I think you're both
1: frightened, as, as, as the father of, of a young daughter, and, and Rob, I know you are as well, the, um, the inherent sexism in so many uh, choices for games, for clothing, for choices of what they do at school and preschool, is, is still absolutely amazing. The books that we read our children are still, many of them, still very sexist-oriented, even if it's somewhat more latent than it used to be. And I do appreciate that here we are, three men, talking about sexism here. Um, that is because, in part, Jen uh, and also Kate, who we normally bring on, um, are are both indisposed today. Um, but, OK, so there's that issue. <sighs> I mean, he he does make a couple of—unfortunately, because of the way he frames it, that it's a, a, a genetic issue or a biological issue, is is he doing harm to the debate? Because his debate is, are there ways we can get more women into engineering? I mean, that seems to be where he's kind of sort of going at one point.
3: Well, he tried to have it both ways. He said, you know, are there ways we can do it? But then he sort of undercuts it by saying, you know, they're, they really don't have the same capabilities or aptitudes as men, which is um, trying to have your cake and eat it, too, it seems— I mean, Google has recognized it as an issue. I mean, their engineering ranks are overwhelmingly male, uh, white, and Asian. And, you know, they publish detailed information on that, which is, um, you know, admirable that they do it. And they have a, a campaign to try and draw more people in. And I think, you know, any company that's trying to compete today should really be trying to get the best talent and should be trying to draw from as many parts as possible, both to get the best talent and also... You know, you're you're operating in a society where where people want to see you know a little more inclusion, so uh, that seems all well and good. And so, suddenly, for a you know a white male engineer at Google, where most of the colleagues have got to look like him, to complain that he, he's being discriminated against in some way just seems a little bit uh, a bit over the top. And I, I you know I'm, not, I'm I'm a total outsider, so I have no insight into the the day to day reality there, but. Um, I I would love to someone to show any actual evidence that, you know, white male engineers are being discriminated against at Google. <laughs> the the other thing is these companies, they all are
2: making efforts or they claim at least claim they are making efforts to diversify and they're trying to get more women engineers. The problem is there just aren't that many and 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 they should be doing a, a better solution would probably be try to encourage more women to go into engineering you know try to encourage people to go into math especially women when they're young because you know the whole idea that math is hard it's something you're born at or you know like hey you're a girl you're probably not that good at math type of thing does you know permeate society and it's it's not going to be solved by you know you're not going to solve society's problems by one company hiring all the women and the the other companies not having women in it you know you need to you need to
1: get just more people into the field well, we'll see where the case progresses. Uh, Tom, Rob, thanks for coming on the show. That's our show for this week. I'd like to thank our guests, Gina Chon, Tom Berkeley, and Rob Siren. Our producers this week are Bethel Hapti and Andrew D'Antonio. Thanks to them as well. And I'd like to thank you all for tuning in as well. Check us out every day at breakingviews.com. Subscribe to the Views Room on iTunes. And please do share your opinions about our show. We'll be back next week and we'd love to have you listen in. Thanks for joining us.